Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM, brought to you this week by Squarespace and ExpressVPN. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Jason Snell. Hello. We're not together anymore, but we're still doing Liftoff, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Episode 101. 101. 101. Back to school. College. <laughs> Liftoff 101. Well, that's... I don't know where to go from there. So. Okay. Well, let's just... How about the pre-flight checklist? Okay. Or as we like to call it, prefect. Let's just dive in. Yes. So much to do. So much to talk about today, as always, because the space news, it never stops. It does not... It's speeding up, I think, actually, is what's happening. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I had the thought in between this episode and the last, like, Liftoff... We're not going to do this, like, but Liftoff could be a weekly show now. Like, there's enough stuff. It it could be, and and again, it's one of those things where we could do two episodes every two weeks and just release them weekly. But the problem is, the news would not stop, and uh-huh. so you'd still end up with like an episode with news and an episode with not news because, yeah. yeah but you're right; it is there's a lot, lot happening. Okay, so. Uh, I want to talk about the Artemis budget because there's been uh, some weird stuff in the news about this. So. We need to first back up to May 13th, so over a month ago. This is where NASA released its budget amendment for fiscal year 2020, and that included an extra $1.6 billion in that request to support work on uh, space launch system, lunar landers, etc. It's all the moon stuff, an extra $1.6 billion. Uh, but in the, basically in the same breath, NASA said, this is just for this year. It's only a down payment on the total cost of Artemis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that point, the total cost was undisclosed. I think NASA was still <laughs> still working on this, but Brian Stein did reject a report publicly that said, hey, it's going to cost uh, up to $8 billion a year for the next five years. So what is that, extra $40, $40 billion? Yeah. He said, it's not that number. That number's higher than where we think we will be. So... This is kind of where this was for a little while. There was we know what they want this year. We don't know about future years, but we know there's a, there's seemingly a cap that it won't be uh, eight billion a year. So l- a little bit later, Brian Stein said that the total call would be between twenty and thirty billion. Again, this is on top of the rest of the NASA budget. So uh, NASA's hope is that they don't have to take money from other directorates, other missions, other projects to fund this. They want money on top for this. Uh, that 20 to $30 billion, if you're good at math, breaks out between 4 and $6 billion a year through 2024. So it is less than the $8 billion a year. But what's $2 billion between friends, really? You know? Indeed. Like, Indeed. Uh, just ask the James Webb. Hey-o! Um, sorry. <laughs> Ouch. That's a very specific joke. So these numbers are not final. Brian Stein said this in an interview. And uh, it, it got, of course, got repeated, but we haven't seen, at least at this recording, have not seen a final presentation of the budget. We expect that, that could come in the next few weeks. Um, uh, but there was, of course, response from Congress, because Congress is the one that has to approve this, right? They're in charge of the budget. And uh, Representative Eddie Johnson, who's the chair of the House Sciences Committee, a Democrat from Texas, uh, noted that the budget amendment did include language for NASA to transfer funds from other agency accounts. So even though NASA says they don't want to, say, take money away from Earth Sciences to do this, that Congress is not shutting that door, and the budget request doesn't shut that door 
Right. So she's saying they might not actually give them as much money as they're asking for, but that might what they might do is say, here's what we're going to do. We'll maybe we'll increase your budget some, but we're also going to give you the latitude yes. to move money around and you'll have to find the money by making some choices rather than us just giving you 5 billion more and saying, <laughs> every year, you know, take this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I think that's exactly where it's going to end up. You know, maybe Congress foots the bill for half of it or 2 thirds of it and they say, look, the other $1.5 billion a year you need to go find in the NASA, NASA uh, sofa cushions. So, and, and that's leaving aside the, I, I think, strong possibility that what's actually going to happen is that given the uh, fact that the Democrats have the House and the Republicans have the Senate and the White House, that it's not I think it's quite likely that they're going to end up with another one of these continuing resolution things where they can't agree on a budget deal and they decide to just repeat the current budget again next year, which doesn't do anything for NASA. Although they could, you know, again, they could allocate just for NASA some of these changes. But the overall budget, I feel like, is an open question about whether they're going to be able to agree on anything uh, for the budget this year because – they are uh, opposed to one another, and they may not be able to make any grand budget deals. We'll see. It's always an adventure. You're talking about that mm-hmm. much money. <laughs> Politics and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good mix. Uh, uh, how about a, an update on the Mars 2020 rover? That sounds awesome. We haven't talked about this in a while. Yeah. Did I? Me- well, 2020 is coming up. It so is. there's that. Uh, did I tell you that that uh, my neighbor, uh, my neighbor's daughter, was an intern at JPL working on the Mars 2020 rover? Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's really cool. <laughs> That's pretty great. This little girl who grew up on the back fence here <laughs> was working at JPL on a, on a Mars rover. It's awesome. So anyway, um, they are uh, rolling along. Uh, uh, no, uh, no. Uh, they have installed the seven foot tall mast on the Mars 2020 rover. It's suspension has now been installed uh, a temporary set of wheels. The final wheels will go on much closer to launch because you could do damage to these temporary wheels. And right. the, you know, you want to wait to the last moment to put things on in that might get uh, damaged or worn because you need to bundle it all up and then launch it into space. Uh, so they are in the process. Basically, this is just a little status report that they are putting it all together, uh, assembling it, in a clean room at JPL in Pasadena, California, and then it will get shipped off to Florida where they will make the uh, some of the final things, including putting those wheels on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the whole plan here is to launch it in 2020, and it'll land on, uh, let's see, when, when is it? I don't actually know when the launch date is for this, but it's going to land in February 2021 in the Jezero Crater and we'll study geology and capture a cache of material for a future sample return mission. That's actually what the uh, the woman who grew up uh, behind the back fence in uh, in my neighborhood, uh, that's what she was working on is some of the sample return stuff. We don't actually have a sample return mission yet, but part of the Mars 2020 mission is to collect material right. that a future mission could then grab and send back to Earth. Yeah, it's laying the groundwork, if you will. Oh, there's one other little guest that's yes. on this uh, so Mars this rover. Is my favorite robotic mission right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a toy helicopter. Oh, I mean, I mean, it's a uh, an aerial, uh, an interplanetary aerial vehicle. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. It's a remote control helicopter on Mars. We can call it what <laughs> it, it is. is. It is. 
It is. It's pretty cool. And this is one of those things where it was sort of added uh, sort of late in the game and there were people who were rolling their eyes like, oh, come on. But I, I think not only is there a public relations benefit to this, but quite honestly, you know, our drone technology has advanced so much that it, NASA is very interested in seeing how well this stuff works in these space missions. It's a little like the experiments with CubeSats, where it's sort of like our tech has advanced so much that we're capable of doing some things in terms of exploration that we weren't able to do before. And having an, a, a little mini helicopter that can fly around, uh, it's it's a tech demo, it really is, but it lets us see if maybe this is the kind of exploration we're doing on Mars. Because first we had landers, and then we've got rovers. And the idea would be, maybe down the road, you actually put helicopters on Mars and planes, and you start doing all sorts of interesting stuff that you can do when you can hop from place to place or fly over a lot of terrain. Things that, you know, that are, it would really expand our footprint of what we could view on Mars. But you got to start somewhere. And so the idea here is they've got this little test helicopter. Um, I know they're talking about doing that. I think, is it in Titan? Uh, Titan's atmosphere, they've talked about doing a yeah. similar thing where you have some sort of thing that can fly around from place to place because it's got a thick atmosphere. And, uh, you know, and of course, in Venus, there's been a lot of discussion about the possibility that at some point Venus will be explored by a uh, a balloon of some kind because it's got a thick atmosphere and you could float kind of above the uh, worst of the acid sulfuric acid clouds <laughs> and do extended uh, analysis of the of the atmosphere and the surface of Venus. So you got to start somewhere and they're going to start with a toy helicopter on Mars. It's great. I mean, think how much how more much more quickly the Martian would have ended if he had a helicopter. Oh man, you could have just sent his drone over to pick up that yeah. stuff and bring it back for him. But but you're right. It yeah. does you can imagine the possibilities when it comes to having crews on Mars. You know, being able to transport goods and even people across vast distances quickly right. could be really game-changing. And of course you can't do that on the moon because there's no atmosphere, but Mars there may be enough there to to do it. So this is I mean, I'm excited about it because, yes, it's like a, a drone on Mars, and that's just cool. But I can imagine the possibilities that it would unlock in the future, and that that's, like, genuinely exciting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So go roll on Mars 2020 mm -hmm. um, and uh, get, to, get to Mars already. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've got way too much stuff to cover, and yet we're going to cover all of it. But first, let me tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Liftoff is brought to you by Squarespace, my favorite sponsor for Liftoff because space is right there in the name. Squarespace will let you make your next move. You can create a website with ease for whatever your next idea is. There's, uh, you can get a unique domain you can use their award-winning templates, which are beautiful. You don't have to be a web designer to make a beautiful website with Squarespace. Whether it's an online store or a portfolio for your work or you want to create a blog and get your thoughts out there on the internet, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. It lets you do all of that. You don't have to install any software, maintain any server, run any patches, do any upgrades. Squarespace takes care of all of that. All you have to do is make your website and make sure that it's great. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you do need any help building your website, you can get somebody whenever it is even if it's three in the morning. I don't know why you're building a website at three in the morning, but if you are, somebody will help you if you need help. Uh, you can get a domain name, a unique domain name for your website, whatever you want it to be, quickly and easily using Squarespace. And of course, those templates that are award-winning and beautiful are uh, there 
for you to show off your great ideas without needing to be a professional designer. They have got the professionals working and have built those templates for you. Couldn't be easier. Plans start at just $12 a month. You can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash liftoff. Steven, you've used Squarespace to build uh, websites for... Are you doing that for like a nonprofit? Did you use uh, Squarespace? Yeah, I've, I've done a couple of those now of, you know, organizations that are just doing good work and they need uh, a website to share their mission and to get in touch with them and maybe even donate. You can do payments, of course, through Squarespace as well. And it's, it's nice to have all that under one roof as opposed to having to cobble together a bunch of different systems. Like, oh, we want to start blogging. Like, hey, what? You know what? That's super easy. We can just add a blog to your site and you're on your way. So I've been, I've been very happy with it for uh, those sorts of projects. And if you're a techie person, and a lot of our audience are very techie per- people, and they may say, well, you know, I can I can do all that. I can set this stuff up and all that. But the, the big thing for me is you're a techie person. You've got people who are not techie people who say, I need a website. And the nice thing about Squarespace is you set it up for them, but it's also that maintainability. It's like Squarespace is very easy to use. You log in with a web browser. You can make new pages. You can edit things. So once you get it set up, you can hand it off to the less technical people and say, here's your website. And know that you're probably not going to get a call at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. or whenever saying, oh, no, how do I post a thing on the website? Because right. it's Squarespace. It's already there and easy to use. And that's as somebody who set up websites for people, that that's a whole other aspect of it that doesn't get talked about enough, which is the maintenance of it like can you let it go to them once you've set it up and then they just run their website after that and with squarespace the answer is yes that's all that is required which is great um once again squarespace.com slash liftoff use the code liftoff 10 percent off your first purchase thank you to squarespace for supporting liftoff and all of relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website all right jason it is time for the sls segment Space Launch Systems segment, explaining geopolitics, mechanical systems, engineering achievements, news and trivia. It's time. Steve, and tell us all about the SLS segment. It turned into a song and dance there at the end. You couldn't see it, but I was dancing. I believe it in all my heart. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping you'd just read it out, but your throat hurt, yeah. so I had to do it. So this is a two-section SLS segment, so... Uh... More than one, but the first one is <laughs> well. It's a two stage to get high oh, up. It's a two and stage. Have access to the moon. It's a two stage SLS. Segment. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the first stage jokes. is why Congress won't ever cancel SLS. <laughs> <laughs> so we and we've spoken about this it's funny because it's true. <laughs> we've spoken about this before, but this story to me was the perfect example of why this is true. So on NASA.gov is a blog post on the SLS site. Touting the work of Future Ma- F- Futura Ma- Mick, I really botched that. F- uh, I wanted to say Future Magic, but there's no there's no second G. Mm. There's no G in that company name. Futura Mike. I don't know. Anyways, this company in Michigan is being touted by NASA for their involvement in SLS. So what they have built and delivered is this giant tooling mechanism that they can set the SLS core stage in. And uh, and move it around and rotate it to to work on different different components on it and uh, you know obviously uh, an important bit of tooling and one that they will use for years to come as they build future SLS rockets because the thing is not reusable but it's like uh, you know it's a tool it's important but uh, in this press release you know they 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 uh, tout this company this Michigan company doing this um, one of more than. 
You don't want to say the name, do you? I'll help you out here, and you'll see why it's named the way it is. It's called Futuramic. Mmm. Because it's like a future ceramic. Huh? Futuramic. I think I got trapped up in, like, Futura, the font name in yeah. its name. And Mike, it's a mic for a microphone, yeah. like, at the end of really... Futura mic. So you Futuramic. See, you see how I got to where I got, but mm-hmm. it went poorly. Um, uh, but SLS segment! <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of more than 78... Michigan companies working on this. And so, you know, if you're a congressperson from Michigan and you have any say in it, you want SLS to continue because it's putting a bunch of people to work in your state. Uh, And in fact, there's a link in this blog post to Mm -hmm. uh, a really long listing on NASA's site of 3,200 businesses in all 50 states supporting NASA's return to the moon. You will find a surprising number of them scattered around various congressional districts, too, mm-hmm. I think, if you look closely. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. This is this is one of the tricks and has been since Apollo of NASA spreading the 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 love around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean money. But the idea there and, and the argument is that this is money spent on NASA is money spent all across the country. And so the money doesn't just kind of like go to enrich one small group somewhere. It actually gets spread around into industry all over the U.S. And and therefore, um, you know, arguments about like, why should we spending money be spending money on space exploration? There are many different answers to that question. But one of them is, well, what we're really doing is spending money developing American aerospace industry and other industries. And uh, it's happening in your state, Senator, mm-hmm. <laughs> and your state, Senator, and that's part of the story. Yeah, yeah. which I'm not complaining about that because I think it's good that I think a space program should help small businesses across the country. I mean, I'm looking at the, the, the companies in Tennessee. Some of these companies are in extremely small towns. I mean, very small places. And that's great, but I th- it just really drove the point home to me you know, we say that this is an issue and we say that it is a, a reason that SLS is, is quote unquote safe. But, uh, you know, when you see it all in a big listing here, it really it really drove it home for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a co- there are companies in Memphis, like in my city involved in this. And, you know, that it means there are people in the city working on SLS and Orion, which like is cool. Uh, but it really kind of opened my eyes to just how many there are in all these states for sure by design mm-hmm. yeah go through that list you you may be surprised that your hometown is involved in this all right segment two the upper stage uh uh-huh. is uh good i like it nasa versus the government uh accountability office they <laughs> continue continue to go back and forth ah uh, classic enemies mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sure there are people at nasa who think that i'm sure there are people at gao that think that as well but uh, a new report out talking about the SLS launch date. So originally this was supposed to be in uh, 2017. I don't know if you know what year it is. It's not 2017. It's not 2017, no. And uh, now NASA is saying June 2020. Boeing is saying June 2020. They said that this week in, a, in an announcement, probably to hedge against this report. Uh, but the GEO is now saying that it could launch as late as June 2021. And, uh, you know, so that's not necessarily newsworthy because SGAO does this. And, and, and it's, they form an important function to visibility into NASA and its contracts. Uh, but there's a part in here about Boeing that really caught my eye. So I'm, I'm just going to read a, a sentence or two. 
As core stage production began, Boeing was focused on minimizing the number of technicians, in part to keep costs low, and hired about 100 technicians. The company actually needed two and a half times that amount to keep the project on schedule. In the grand scheme of things, hiring 100 people versus 250 or 300, that's not that big of a detail. But I think it it is just it was so pointed. Take that and and scale it to a project as big and as wide as SLS and Orion. You can see how they are over budget and behind. And, and there's been a lot of blame for this at Boeing's feet, and I'm sure they deserve a large amount of it, if not all that they've been blamed for it. Uh, but there's also, and the GEO points this out as well, there's also oversight issues at NASA when it comes to these sorts of agreements. And NASA, maybe maybe they didn't know the number of technicians was wrong, but there have clearly been examples where NASA should have stepped in and, and haven't. And in fact, it gets a little more awkward. From July 2014 to September 18, uh, NASA assessed Boeing's performance as good, very good, and excellent in various reports. And Boeing was awarded $270 million in award fees during this period, even as the schedule continued to slip. And that is uh, its not great. I think that's ammunition if you're a congressperson talking about budget. It's like, well, what are you doing giving Boeing award fees if they're missing deadlines? And obviously, I don't have the Boeing-NASA contract in front of me to say if those were earned or not. But uh, it is it does raise an eyebrow in this conversation of, this thing is later and later and more and more expensive, especially when you have James Webb sort of as an ever-present example of mismanagement in a large project. So it's concerning, and we'll see what the date is. But anytime the GEO pops up in headlines, I think it's worth visiting to kind of see where things are from a more objective point of view. Oh, by the way, I have a uh, I have some follow-up for earlier in the SLS segment. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned how uh, you never know where it, uh, one of those 3,200 companies will be located mm-hmm. that are su- listed as suppliers. Um, there is a supplier listed from my hometown of Sonora, California, which is a very, 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 very small town. It is a company I'd never heard of that is located out in the middle of nowhere, like, I'm not kidding, way <laughs> out on, a, on a, like a, a rural road that's surrounded by fire roads um, that's not too far from where I grew up. Uh, and they apparently are a company that sells electrical supplies, including lots of wiring. Hmm. So apparently they are a supplier of wiring to Orion, this company that's up on a hillside cool. in, out in the middle of nowhere in California. So they're everywhere. SLS is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, except space. Oh, oh burn. No, but we'll get there sometime. 2021. Yeah, maybe. 2021, apparently. Okay, with that happy news, let's take a second break, and I will tell you about our second sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. You know, sometimes cybercrime seems like something for the movies. There's a hacker lit, like in blue, and they're like, I'm in, and whatever, and they do hackery things. But the truth is that there are people who steal data, and they're out there on the internet. Um, public Wi-Fi is a great example. It's not fundamentally encrypted, and so bad guys can be sniffing the Wi-Fi. It does happen. Also, your internet provider itself it could be monitoring you, and uh, that's not cool. So what you need to do is encrypt your internet connection, and you can do that with ExpressVPN. You should do it now. Just do it now. It's easy. works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing and encrypts your data 
It hides your public IP address. I was talking to somebody yesterday who talked about how, you know, two people in a house were surfing for, uh, you know, the internet and hanging around and one of them was looking something up on the internet and the other person like two minutes later got ads for the things that the first person was searching for. Yep. And they're like, oh, that's really creepy. And the answer <laughs> is no, you're using one IP address. Mm-hmm. And so they think you're the same person and they're going to start advertising that stuff to you. It's creepy. It's weird. And if you use ExpressVPN, it doesn't happen because your public IP address is hidden. Uh, also, if that other person in your house is also using ExpressVPN, they will be on a completely different one and they won't. your, your relationship with them will also be hidden, which is very nice too. The apps run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn them on with just one click or tap. I do that with my iPad, just tap. ExpressVPN goes on, could not be easier. And then you're safe to free to, then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi. You don't have to be snooped on. You won't have your personal data stolen. It was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you really should give it a try today, uh, like I have, and uh, it's super easy to use. Less than $7 a month gets you the same Express VPN protection that I've got. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi and you want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need to use ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash liftoff to learn more. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash liftoff. That's, I'm going to spell another thing. This is an SLS segment. I'm going to spell something else. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash liftoff three months free with a one-year package thank you expressvpn for supporting liftoff and all of relay fm all right let's talk about a uh an isa mission yay it's caught my eye this week uh the uh juice mission that is jupiter ju icy icy moons explorer so that they skipped over moons Mm. i give this a a six out of ten on the uh on the scale of judging mission names, like it's pretty it get, good. It gets it because it's called Juice. I like that's a great. What a great name for a space mission yeah. is Juice, mm-hmm. right? Even though the actual acronym formation, yeah, you got to downgrade it a little bit because yeah. they skip moons. The whole point is that they're going to a mo- moons and there's no. It's very good. Um, yeah, but it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, Juice is the first of its uh, kind. ISA has a class of missions called Cosmic Vision, and this will be the first large class, uh, large mission in this program. And it's going to launch in mid-2022, and it's going to go on tour around Jupiter, studying three of the moons, uh, Europa, Castillo, and Ganymede, starting in 2029. So going to it's, Jupiter it's, take, takes takes a while. It's like 88 months, um, several gravity assists to get there. It's Callisto, by the way. Yeah. You, want, you might pr- want to do pr- that again. Pronunciation. No, it's going to leave yeah, it in. It's fine. Okay. Pronunciation. Fine. Look, I've been podcasting Juice. for like 10 Look. years. People We're talking about a, a a whole mission that has omitted the word moons that's visiting right. moons. Yeah. So mistakes happen. People listen to my voice for 10 years on podcasts. They know I struggle with pronunciation. They could have they could have called it Jim. They could have called it Jim. Jupiter Icy Moons. Jim. Oh. We're launching Jim into space from Guiana right now. Here it is. <laughs> Good luck, Jim. Bye, Jim. Anyways, uh, looking at these three moons starting in 2029, uh, these moons are all believed to have water ice beneath their surfaces. Which, you know, seems like it's a pretty common thing in the outer solar system. So we're going to get a, a closer look at those. And um, so there's, there's several objectives for, uh, for this. Looking at the uh, ocean layers and detection of subsurface uh, water, uh, mapping of the surface itself, uh, geological and topographical mapping, studying the physical properties of the icy crusts, uh, looking at um, internal dynamics. So, so one way that uh, 
or one theory about this liquid water ice or liquid water and uh, water ice beneath these surfaces is that these moons have dynamic interiors. It's not that they're they're hot like inner planets, like not like Earth with a, a nice warm gooey center, but the gravity of Jupiter and the other moons pull and tug on these moons, and so they get stretched and pulled, and uh, that generates heat, and that may be enough for this. Uh, Maybe enough for liquid water, or at the very least, um, you know, help explain. You know, maybe it's water ice, maybe right at the center there could be could be liquid water. So it's it's an right. interesting theory and one that this uh, Juice mission, not Jim Juice, uh, may uh, shed some light on. Yeah, it's a um, if you think about like a a uh, if you've ever frozen ice cubes, and just as they're getting frozen, you can have this state where they're f- they're frozen on the outside, but there's like water in the center. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility here. Uh, in one of the episodes we had with Emily Lakdawalla from Planetary Society, um, one of the things she mentioned was that the thought is that if you had a kind of like pristine water environment where it was sort of liquid water surrounded on all sides by ice that the chance of life evolving is pretty low because what you really need is kind of like hydrothermal vents and rock. Right. And so that's one of the important things about tr- trying to figure out what's inside these things is it's they're much more interesting from a search for life standpoint if the way that they're constructed is there's a rocky bottom with, with hydrothermal vents, uh, again, caused by the heat of this tidal stretching, but that they're, uh, you know, the water is in contact with that rocky surface. And if they're just hermetically sealed... Um, you know, water inside ice, like a like an ice cube, it's a lot less interesting. Still interesting, but a lot less interesting in terms of uh, looking for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Europa part of the mission is slightly different. They're also going to focus on chemistry essential to life. So you just touched on that a little bit, but including looking for organic molecules and also looking at the the thickness of the icy crust. So Europa has some recently active regions. They're going to be looking at those and trying to understand uh, what is the relationship between water beneath the surface and the mm-hmm. surface itself? Um, so lots of uh, lots of good science going on here uh, here with Juice, and of course Jupiter has many moons. Uh, Io comes to mind. Uh, it will image some of those other moons, but these three are really the focus uh, of the spacecraft. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I think the the moons around Jupiter and Saturn are some of the most interesting things in the solar system. So it's great that they're going to get a little more love with uh, with Jim. I mean, uh, Juice. <laughs> What's next, Jason? Uh, hey, remember we did that story about the ISS and how there was a question of like, was it going to get funded? And the government said, um, well, you know, we don't know if we want to keep funding the ISS if we're going to go to the moon the u.s government anyway and like well what are we going to do and they said maybe private businesses can take over the iss Mm -hmm. and that didn't really work out so they they have tried this other plan which is to offer uh services for the iss for uh to private organizations and because they need money and they are trying to ramp up their spending on things like artemis and they nasa wants to find ways to make the uh, iss funding work by getting an influx of cash from other locations so they have a new program in place uh, for a few different things private business opportunities on the station as well as private astronauts and if you remember we've had space tourists before um but that was uh that was from the russian side they were bringing up space tourists, and this would actually be on the U.S. side. So if you could imagine a uh, Boeing or SpaceX capsule for commercial crew, they might actually sell seats on those missions. Um, it's also possible that they could that, that the Russians could sell seats in Soyuz 
for uh, these people, and then they would pay the Russians for the ride, and then they would pay potentially the U.S. for the space on the station. It really kind of is unclear how this is all going to work, but they're open for business because they want uh, your money to help keep the ISS running. Um, they mention the possibility of companies doing product testing in space, which might make sense, right? It's like more access to uh, a zero-G environment for stuff you want to do. And the bigger point here, also marketing. The idea that you could say, we sent our, this product is so great, we sent our scientists into space and figured this out. And this is why, I don't know, Archer Daniels Midland is now even more awesome because we sent a scientist into space where they grew some wheat and uh, isn't that great or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether this is really like NASA saying, um, oh, we really wish somebody would think this is valuable or whether there's actual interest from industry in doing stuff like this. That's unclear what the market for this is, but th that's how NASA's pitching it. So what I'm saying is Doritos flying in space, get ready. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it won't be cheap. $35,000 per day, mm. roughly, on the International Space Station. And that doesn't count getting there, which is going to be a pretty penny as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not cheap. However, there is one company that has already stepped up to the challenge. And Stephen, this is why I'm reading this story and you know it it's this company that has captured my attention it's bigelow mm -hmm. aerospace the creators of beam the inflatable iss module yes. you're would you say it's your favorite iss module iss module yeah it might be it might <laughs> if be we drafted iss modules which would be a short draft oh man yeah your, that's true uh it's it's well you know so the idea here so bigelow has been talking for a while about they, they've invested a huge amount of money in these inflatable expandable habitats in space and the idea there is it's a lot cheaper and you can get a lot more volume if you have a compact uh space uh habitat and then you expand it when it's in outer space uh so they put the beam module on the ISS and it's been used and it's sort of checked out as being uh, perfectly good. Like it's like a size of a closet, a walk-in closet, but uh, it's worked. And one of the things that they've talked about doing is opening up module space, like for modules uh, of the uh, ISS. And Bigelow has been really interested in that. Bigelow has talked about building their own space station and, and out of inflatable parts. Um, I'm not quite sure how to read this, but it looks to me like maybe what they're saying is, well, what we could do is build our own big module attached to the space station and then and then sort of sublet that to whoever wants to do ISS stuff. Um, and so they have paid substantial sums to SpaceX as kind of a down payment on four different crew missions to the International Space Station. Um, presumably... They would also um, build a module, an inflatable module, a lar the larger module after the beam test module. Um, could take years for this to all work out and who knows what will happen. But um, I do think maybe it's Bigelow saying, why should we try to go our own way and build our own space station when the ISS is right there? Why don't we just piggyback on that and use the infrastructure of the ISS add our own module, bring up our own people? It's an interesting idea. So we'll see where it goes. But um, what it does suggest is that the International Space Station in the 2020s could be uh, transitioning into something that's very different from what it's been. And there may be more commercial applications and certainly I think NASA is hoping that that's the case because they want to um, find ways of funding it so that they can keep it running. Absolutely. I mean, there's even, I think, a version of this where you know, the, the space station part, parts of it are, are really uh, aging. And, you know, there was even discussion about, oh, well, what if you started to break up 
the ISS and you know different companies take different components that are still good and parts that aren't or parts that are aging where you can't keep them in reliable service you deorbit those so who knows what the future is this feels like a step towards that final game but I don't think anyone including NASA really knows what that final game looks like Nope, they're just uh, circling around. And of course, you got to get the cr- commercial crew up and running first mm-hmm. before you can do stuff like this. But you, there is a scenario in the 2020s where Bigelow Aerospace sends its astronauts on a SpaceX rocket to the Bigelow Aerospace module on the International Space Station. And that would be a more or less completely commercial space operation. It's interesting. All right, I think we are at the end. I think we've covered the influx of space news for this fortnight. If you want to catch up on these stories or learn more about them, there are some links on the website, relay.fm slash liftoff slash 101. While you're there, you can get in touch uh, via email. There's also a link in the sidebar to our Tumblr page where we post stories and links in between episodes. And of course, you can uh, find us on Twitter. The show is at Liftoff Podcast. You can find Jason there as Jay Snell. And you can follow me on Twitter as ISMH. Until our next fortnight, Jason, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Adios. Adios.